Hello. I'm so glad you could join us. I hope you brought your blanket to hide under. The spooky crew is going to discuss things and events from other realms. Ghosts. Cryptids. Aliens. Be sure to hold your blanket extra tight as the boys take you deep into the fear scale, fear scale, fear scale. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another frightening edition of Fearscape Paranormal Podcast. I am your host, Stefan Gearhart, and I am joined, as always, by my very astute and sexy co-host, Mr. Josh Rutledge. How are you today, sir? I am doing fantastic. Uh, I'm happy to be uh, given both of those labels, although I, I think I prefer the astute label. Than I would also say you are also a master debater. Oh, a master debater. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's probably true too. That's yeah. Yep. It's also fun because it sounds dirty. Yeah. Uh, right. But anyways, yeah. we got a fun show tonight and oh wow, just taking a uh just a, a quick look back at last week's episode with Santosh. Wow. That was yeah, that was a that was a fantastic episode. Uh not safe for work no <laughs> <laughs> but but still a great episode we we let him fly like it was an unhinged episode yeah. right <laughs> <laughs> but anyways we've got a really cool episode this is a topic that we're covering tonight is one that i've been wanting to cover since the get-go in fact um way back in the day with one of our other old co-hosts kelly uh kelly was the first person to bring this to me to say hey we should do this as a topic and finally getting around to doing it here on Fearscape is the Outlaw Pass. Holy moly, there is a lot of conspiracy around what happened to those Russian hikers. It's it's gonna be a good one. It is gonna be a good one. Well, and uh, if I can if I can say something to entice our listenership, yeah, I pulled I pulled I pulled out two sentences here. In the dead of winter, a group of students set out on a trek into the Ural Mountains. Their frozen bodies with inexplicable injuries were discovered in locations that compounded the puzzle of how they died. Whoa. That's crazy. So needless to say, it's going to be a good one. So we're going to get to that, but first we got to get to our segments. And the first segment, as always, is the psychic word of the week. And now, the psychic word. Of the week. That's right. We've got the psychic word of the week from the Encyclopedic Psychic Dictionary by June Bletzer. Before Bletzer I get to the word, I want I want to tell you, like I, I decided to look her up, and she's written some other things, you know, on the low key. Um, but I was hoping to hit her up and be like, hey, you know, we use your book all the time. We'd love to have you on the show. She died in 2003, so sad, sad, sad. So, well, we'll uh, just have to break out the Ouija board, and maybe we can have her on that way. Yeah, no, <laughs> that's ridiculous, but hilarious, and uh, yes. <laughs> um, but anyways, so shout out to June Bletzer, rest in peace, wherever you be. Uh, but anyways, this this week when I uh, flipped the pages, I landed on the letter E, and uh, the first one that popped into my visage here was uh, evocation. 
and evocation has in parentheses next to it uh, magic. So I guess like to evoke something. Yeah. Uh, it says to summon an inferior entity from the etheric world by performing a ceremonial ritual using incantations, verse, and magical tools, such as a wand or sword. Two main objectives here. One, magician is hired to perform evil activity. An entity who is unbalanced and incomplete is summoned to execute the task. Magician keeps her or himself in complete control and separated from the evoked entity. Because of their knowledge and control, he or she is able to do the job and not become possessed by the entity. Two, magician is hired to exercise an individual who is possessed by an inferior etheric world entity. Magician summons the entity into his or her own body. From here, they can either help the entity to go on into the higher realms or dissipate her or him so that they will not possess another individual. And it says, do not confuse with invocation. So well, that's what I was getting ready to ask, what the difference between Yeah, well, there's a difference invoke. between invoke and evoke. So, yeah, this is more of an evocation. And, and it, 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 you know, it's interesting that, that it can be used for both evil and good. Yeah. That well, that. yeah, that's, I didn't understand. So I guess, well, and what's really interesting there is, so is, is there uh, then a distinction between, are there are there strictly good magicians and then strictly bad magicians or can you well practice i mean things? within pagan witchcraft there are white white magicians and black magicians essentially you know good or bad there are some that practice gray as well um there are a number that practice the left hand path in fact while i was trying to find the council of nine um with gene roddenberry I stumbled across uh, something called the Order of the Nine Angles, and uh, it is a satanic group that I thought was the Order or was the Council of Nine. And so I almost bought this book called Sinister, and it's like the Black Book of Satan. And I'm like, man, Gene Roddenberry was a Satanist, <laughs> and like it was crazy, and it was taking me down some deep rabbit holes. And I was like, oh my god, because I mean, it's um it's really interesting and it's a left-hand path and stuff like that. But yeah, it turns out I was wrong and I was able to cancel my shipment at the last minute and, you know, <laughs> and make sure I didn't get, get Yeah. You're not on somebody's mailing because list. Because <laughs> here's the thing about the order of the nine angles. It's also highly connected to uh, neo-Nazism. It's, ah. it's, it's a subgroup of neo-Nazism that practices black satanic magic. And they say that this is what Himmler and those guys were really into the occult stuff. Like that's what they're trying to say. And it's all about the Aryan race. And I was like, Oh my God, I'm going to get red flagged. Like, yeah, really? <laughs> so I'm glad I canceled it. I'm glad I found out that's not what I was looking for. So yeah, stay away from that one guys. Look up council of nine, council <laughs> not of nine. the order of nine angles, which I kept, I kept thinking it was angels. And so like, so another thing, when I saw it was satanic, I was like, Oh, okay. So I guess they're going the Lucifer route. Like, <laughs> No, man, it's like an evil Masonic. It's crazy, man. It's crazy. So if there's any Order of the Nine Angles listeners, I'm sorry if I made you upset. Please do not curse me. Anyways, like, yeah. Uh, Yeah, evocation. Check it. Uh, But let's let's go ahead and just move out of that before I get myself more in trouble. Um, Let's go ahead and move into this week's spooky news. So uh, this week's spooky news is, 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 I 
guess it's more weird and strange than it is spooky, though I guess some people would find this very, very spooky. Uh, but this comes from the New York Post, and uh, the headline reads, NASA scientists detect evidence of par- parallel universe where time runs backwards. And it's been all over the news lately. Uh, basically what it says is that in a scenario straight out of the twilight zone, a group of NASA scientists working on an experiment in Antarctica have detected evidence of a parallel universe where the rules of physics are the opposite of our own. The concept of a parallel universe has been around since the 1960s. Uh, in fact, some people believe that it might have been a cosmic ray detecting uh, experiments that found cart- particles that could be from parallel realms that maybe was also born in the Big Bang, yada, yada, yada. Well, this experiment uh, was using a giant balloon to carry NASA's Antarctic Impulsive Transient Antenna, or ANITA, High above, the, uh, high above Antarctica, where the frigid dry air provided the perfect environment with little to no radio noise to distort its findings. A constant wind of high-energy particles constantly arrives on Earth from outer space. Low-energy subatomic neutrinos with a mass close to zero can pass completely through Earth, but higher-energy objects are stopped by the solid matter of our planet, according to the report. What that means is that the high-energy particles can only be detected coming down from space. But the team's Anita detected heavier particles, so-called tau neutrinos, which come up out of the Earth. And the finding implies that these particles are actually traveling backwards in time, suggesting evidence of a parallel universe. Principal Anita investigator Peter Gorham, an experimental particle physicist at the University of Hawaii, suggested that the only way the tau neutrino could behave that way is if it had changed into a different type of particle before passing through the Earth and then back again. Gorham is the lead author on a Cornell University paper describing the odd phenomenon, noted that he and his fellow researchers had seen several of these impossible events, which some were skeptical about. Uh, He says not everyone was comfortable with the hypothesis. The simplest explanation for the phenomenon is that the moment of the Big Bang 13.8 billion years ago, two universes were formed, ours and one that from our perspective is running in reverse with time going backwards. Of course, if there are any inhabitants of a possible parallel universe, they would consider us the backward one. Uh, We're left with the most exciting or most boring possibilities, said uh, Ibrahim Safa, who also worked on the experiment. Hmm. Very interesting. Very interesting. And I feel like like if, if things are moving backwards, like you're getting some Benjamin Button stuff then, like or like Mork from Ork. Well, and here's the thing, would, so we understand our concept of time moving, what we think is moving forward. If, if, if there is life living in that parallel universe, and that's all they've ever known, they wouldn't think it odd. Right. And that's what the article said is that they would find us odd. Well, and, and, and here's something else. Uh, This gets more into the, I think the, the, the spiritual realm a little bit, but what if we're moving backwards? <laughs> what if death, what we think of death, is really birth into the ether? Now you're getting into Christian theology. <laughs> well, I'm a, not I'm a not, rebirth, so to speak. Well, but I, yeah, just more of a, 
of a release, if you will, of your um, of your energy back into the cosmos. Well, it's funny. <laughs> it's funny that you said release because you know the word orgasm itself, like in the root of French, means little death. Huh. So. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, yeah, um, yeah, and every time, well, okay, that's all right. Yeah, I'm, about yeah. to, I'm about to get into a Santosh episode here. So, yeah. Uh, anyways, yeah, that. So, I, I'm very interested in that, and I love that these people are brave enough to come out and say this because you can. You heard him say, people are looking at them as being very skeptical, and I mean, they're doing every single bit of research and showing every bit of their findings, and people are still being skeptics about it. So very, very, very interesting. Um, I, you know, and they were NASA scientists. So this is also very interesting that, you know, they allowed this to come out. I mean, it's just. Well, I thought for sure your Kabuki news was going to be about the uh, uh, Mr. President uh, unveiling his new uh, flag for Space Force. Uh, no, I haven't seen that. You haven't seen that? Uh-uh. Oh, yeah, it was. Uh, it's not a Star Trek symbol anymore. It it is actually. <laughs> <laughs> it's even more so than the symbol. But but it's just uh, you know talking a little bit about what we have in the past several weeks about how they're continuing to kind of re um, restate or re you know introduce if you will the concept of you know we're going to space and so yeah Trump did this whole thing about. The, the flag and uh, talked about some thing he called the super duper missile and <laughs> that all the stuff we were going to This is not but, political, by the way. No, it's just dumb. Just, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just quoting what, what Trump said, you know, so, um, but, uh, but yeah, so it's, we, you know, again, I mean, it was probably glossed over because it didn't start with COVID, you know, but, <laughs> um, but I mean, it's still the fact that, that there's still some, um, uh, some of this type of stuff is still making it into the media, even though if it's not getting shared or widely publicized. So, Well, it's interesting the amount of uh, UFO related or Space Force or anything kind of in that realm that has been coming out during COVID because it has been losing traction because of COVID. The conspiracy theorist in me is running wild. Anyway, speaking of UFOs and all that jazz, let's move on to our UFO sighting of the week with Josh. All right, Josh, what do we got this week? What did you find? Yeah, so this is actually goes back to August of last year. Oh, my God, no one was alive then. Yeah, I know. Um, <clears throat> but uh, this actually is, is from August 17th, which is close to my birthday. Ooh. Um, but reported on September 2nd, 2019. There was a lightning storm that evening. And as my wife came back inside from sitting on the front steps, I went outside and looked up into the sky and saw a bolt of lightning that crossed the entire sky from the middle outward. I ran inside and got my phone, as I could tell that the timing of the lightning flashes indicated it was within 11 miles or less from where we were. I sat patiently with my eyes on the sky while holding my phone with my thumb hovering over the capture icon, hoping to catch it with my human reaction time. Because my iPhone has two cameras, it has a very high resolution, and the screen is small enough that it is really difficult to discern small objects until they are zoomed in. After 30 minutes or so, and multiple flashes of lightning, 
I went back inside and started to swipe through the photos and saw only afterglows of the lightning, where the sky was turned pink at night, with every flash of lightning. I deleted at least 15 or more photos, as I didn't see any lightning at first. But while swiping from one live photo to the next, I caught something that I did not see at first. My eyes were on the sky the whole time I was taking pictures. I wasn't looking through my camera to take photos, but as the photo slid from it to the next, a short live video clearly showed an object flying from one side of the photo to the other. I went back and forth through the photos and kept watching it over and over again. At first, I thought it was an insect until I went online, found out how to capture frames in a live photo and caught three frames of this object or whatever it was flying by. The last photo frame clearly shows an arrow-shaped something that partially invisible wings, and it did not match up with anything I've seen before, and apparently went from a disc shape in the first two frames to an arrow shape. I was certainly surprised and was more skeptical than not, and still I remain that this was as I cannot identify or quantify its existence. I showed it to my wife, who wasn't sure how to react to it, other than, it's a UFO. That's what that looks like to me. Holy shit. I spent almost a half an hour reviewing the short photo video and the pictures before and after it and saw nothing else. But I knew I caught something, and I'm still not sure what to think about it. Additionally, the sky in my backyard happens to display the strangest weather patterns I've ever seen regardless. So I'm not surprised if it was a UFO or whichever. I'm not sure if this is anything you might find significant, but it was not a bird or a plane or an insect. I am certain of that. I surmise that this was the most logical place to relay this information. I've never reported it in the past. This was my second sighting in my life. Thank you for your time. And maybe this could be of use to you in the future. And this happened in... Actually, it doesn't say. Sorry, Plainfield, Vermont. Hmm. Interesting. So, wasn't a bird, wasn't a plane, wasn't a wasn't Superman, wasn't Superman. <laughs> hmm. So yeah, um, I love it, I love his hesitance. Like, I love it. Yeah. Um, I just uh, it's it's the something though that that, that has me thinking during storms and things when when a lot of people see ufos they're contrasted somehow right mm-hmm. it's like against the blue sky or whatever so if you wanted to hide <laughs> it would be in a thunderstorm right and i love that that's what he was doing is he was looking just for lightning right yeah so um makes you wonder how many other sightings there might be if people were to take pictures of things of thunderstorms, what you might catch. Yeah. So, I, I see a spike in thunderstorm-related photo activity coming. So. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Fearscape. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Once again, I like I like that. I love I love his hesitance, but yet his resolve that he needed to share this. Right. Exactly. Yep. Like because it it was so much to him that this was even his second sighting yet this is what made him go 
I got to tell somebody. <laughs> yeah. Because right. he didn't exactly. say nothing to nobody. And in fact, I thought his wife was going to make fun of him at first. <laughs> but she was the one who's like, honey, it's a UFO. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and he's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> By the way, if I would have read that in an accent, it probably would have sounded like a country person, even though he's from Vermont. So. Hey, there's still bumpkins in Vermont. They just have a different type of accent. <laughs> it's more like, oh, yeah. How are you? Hanging out or just hanging out by the water, Will. <laughs> we, just, we just offended somebody. I'm so, I'm somebody. My family. That's what they all sound like uh, from up north. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Thanks for doing the UFO report, man. So let's get into uh, this week's creepy catch up. Creepy catch up. Creepy catch up. Creepy catch-up. Creepy catch-up. Y'all, it's creepy. All right, so for those of you that listen and uh, those of you that don't, and if this is your first time, what we do with Creepy Catch-Up is we kind of just share with one another anything creepy or paranormal that has happened to us over the past week uh, as a way to just kind of keep each other in check and uh, see what's going on. So uh, I had a a couple weird things this week. In fact, I... Um, had one yet, uh, today, was it today or yesterday? Well, I've already, I've already regressed it. Um, so, you know, you've heard me tell tales of when I'm at work, uh, when I'm at the office, I get tapped on the back shoulder a lot. And I always think that it's one of my employee or I mean, uh, fellow employees and there's never anybody there. Well, I haven't had that happen since I've been working at home until yesterday or today or whenever it happened. Um, I was sitting there and had music going. Uh, in my earphones and all of a sudden I feel this hard kind of like tap 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 on my left shoulder and so I turn around expecting it to be my wife we're both working from home no one no one's there and I'm like okay Uh, and then another time this week uh, this happened two or three times where I felt the cat kind of move in between my legs and of course I look down there's no cat. Uh, two of the times they were both just laying on the couch um, and they would not have been able to get up there within you know point one seconds from when I looked Uh, the other time I just didn't see them anywhere Um, so that's happened three times over the past week and then the other one's just a really horrible nightmare that I had I know this isn't paranormal whenever we talk about dreams and but like I had to share it on Facebook because it really just kind of messed me up it's like I had that had that dream where you're in high school again and you're the age you are now that somehow you didn't graduate and you, you know, after 20, 30 years, you got to go back and you don't know where anything is and blah, blah, blah. It's a different school and I can't find classrooms and all kinds of stuff like this first day. And I'm trying to figure everything out and a mass shooter shows up and just starts shooting up the entire lobby where most of us were at and kids are dying and faculty is dying. And it's like I run into these classrooms trying to figure out a place to hide because I can't see any of the kids because they're all hiding. I can hear them, but I don't know where the voice is coming from because they all know where to hide because they have active shooter training. And I didn't know where to go. And they wouldn't tell me where to go because they didn't know me because I was new. So they thought I might be the shooter. And so I'm just like trying to hide. And then I get out to the hallway and I see the shooter and he goes to shoot a kid. And I dive in front of the kid and take the bullet and wake up, man. It was, man. I mean, I woke up, my hands were shaking. Like I was jittery Mm. and 
just man it really it messed with me for like seriously two full days i had to talk to my therapist about it because it was like <laughs> i hadn't have a, I, I haven't had a nightmare mess me up like that in a long time like i know i dream vividly but i mean usually when i wake up i'm like oh man that was a crazy dream but that one like i was just still stuck in it when i woke up i couldn't shake it for like two days so just, that is that's crazy man yeah <laughs> so yeah, I've had some dreams this week. I guess that'd be my only creepy catch-up. Did you have? You said you had another one though. Mm-mm, that was it. Okay, that was it. Yeah, just just little brushes and and touches and things like that. Haven't heard anything. You know, nothing like that. No no night hags. No nothing like that. But just the 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 big ones were the rubbing on my legs and the tapping on my shoulder. Um, the other ones I could just maybe write off as just like skin yeah. jumping. You know. So, you know, when, uh, when Santosh is on, we were talking to think about, um, uh, how to start a vivid dream. Oh, lucid dreaming. Lucid dreams. Excuse yeah. me. Yes. And, uh, he, he said something about, uh, you know, think about a color before you go to sleep. And then when you see that color in your dream and you can have a realization that it's a dream and so on and so forth. <clears throat> so like, um, I don't know, four nights ago, uh, or so I was, uh, went, laid down to go to bed, uh, decided i'd give that a shot so i i thought about my favorite color is blue so i thought about blue um before mm-hmm. i went to bed and uh, in a dream i had um uh, my wife and i had come home to uh to our house and uh <clears throat> there was an intruder in our house and uh, there was like there were two guys there one guy was like a paramedic and the other guy was just like this really rough looking dude and the paramedic guy was like, I think there's an intruder guy in your house. I'll go get help. It's so like he jumps out of a window, which, and I, and I lean over and I, and I tell my wife, I'm like, in my dream, I'm like, I think he is in on it. So then I go out into the kitchen and, and this intruder's like standing there and I'm like, you need to get out of our house. And, uh, and he's, I remember he's wearing a blue and gray, like, you know, those, um, they're like knit, uh, uh, parka thing not parking i thought it's the right word like it's a like vest? a blanket but it's like a it's like a jacket blanket i can't oh, think of what yeah, it's yeah 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 like those ponchos those navajo yeah, yeah, yeah. Those navajo ones so he's wearing like one of those and it's and it's blue and like gray stripes mm-hmm. and so i um i reached like i looked down on the counter and there is a uh, there's a blue handled um uh, uh rock climbing pick do you know what i'm talking about like those like those handles that have the sharp hook on it so like they, they use them when they when they climb you know rock yeah they kind of look like, like little mini scythes yeah so i so i i picked that up and i'm like you have to leave out of my house now well he he pulls out a switchblade <laughs> it open and we go into like this battle and he's like almost about to stab me in the stomach and all of a sudden my dog who died last year comes out of nowhere runs up like attacks the guy long enough for my wife and I to get out of the house and then fast forward you know like in my dream it kind of fast forwards to where I'm just kind of like in a field playing with my dog so that's that was one dream yeah and you've you've dreamed about your dog a couple of times in similar situations yeah so, so then the next night I had a similar dream, except there was no intruder. It was just my dog and I, we were playing everywhere. And, and, uh, and then this one, a cat that we used to have that, that, that died earlier this year or, or late last year, um, he was in it 
and I woke up to like a cat jumping on my bed and walking next to my leg and I moved my leg thinking it was my actual cat that we have here and um, there was nothing there yeah yeah and you heard Santosh and I lightly referenced to all the cat ghosts we used to have in old Louisville for sure and that's what I and that's what I think I felt I mean they've had um, a couple cats that have passed and dogs that have passed away over the years because they've had this house for you know 30 years or whatever yeah um in fact they just let sarah know that one of the cats died in her bedroom were worst right now. <laughs> <laughs> so well that's probably what's jumping on the bed then yeah right so but who I'm, knows because i'm sure the cat liked to sleep on the bed that was in there so, mm-hmm. so but, but yeah. um and then my last dream that i had and I actually had this what oh i didn't i, I Go ahead. I didn't know you had a third one. I apologize. Yeah, so, so this is the one I think I told you about earlier today. This is the one I had last night. So <clears throat> I had a dream that I got recruited by the Navy. Oh, yeah. Uh, to work on a project to go out and uh, find and document uh, UFOs or, or UAPs, as, as we talked about before, the, the, the Navy mm-hmm. convention is changing. And so, like, in my dream, I'm, like, carrying a bag, and I'm – trying to get through security and the guy's like let me see your badge and so i like dig through my ballot my bag and i find my badge and i show it to him and he like he gives me this little watch that's kind of like a, have you ever you know been to disney world and you got the magic band yeah you know mm-hmm. what i'm talking about mm-hmm. it's kind of like that but there's no mickey head on it obviously <laughs> um but it's like he's like you can use that to get everywhere you need to go so i go into this room and like we're on we're on a ship like we're on a like a in the ocean on a ship because I can, I remember seeing the waves and stuff and the, and the ocean outside of, of, of a window in the room that I'm in. There's all these people from all these different walks of life. And one of the guys in there says, hey, why, why do they pull you in? And I said, I guess they just wanted um, um, something like, a, what was it? Uh, a, a, an unknown entity or something like that in the room. And so then they're going around and they're like introducing everybody and they come to me and they're like, and please welcome, you know, Mr. Uh, Josh Rutledge, the, uh, the foremost uh, amateur expert on the UFO cases. He's, you know, led over a hundred cases, investigations, you know, around the world. Blah, blah, blah. So it was really cool because I would love to be able to do that. Yeah. Be same. Awesome. Yeah. Um, but it was just really cool that, that, that was the, uh, so, so again, just, just this week, I've just had a lot of really, uh, really vivid dreams. So, yeah, it's cool. Yeah. I, and it's been not just for us. I mean, Santosh talked about having a crazy dream. You know, we all had pretty kind of frightening dreams the same night. Yeah. Uh, you know, just yeah. those little synchronicities. So, right. <laughs> But yeah, so that's our creepy catch-up for the week. And uh, let's go ahead and move right into our topic. We're going to be talking about Diatlov Pass. Uh, But of course, before we get to that, let's take a quick little sponsor break. Hey, Blanket Huggers, Stefan here from Fearscape Paranormal Podcast, and do we have a scary good deal for you right now. If you head over to fearscapepodcast.com forward slash Gamefly, you can get a 30-day free trial Gamefly subscription on us. Now, if you're not familiar with Gamefly, it's a game and movie rental service where you can play the hottest video games for systems like the Nintendo Switch, Xbox One, or even the PS4. You can get up to two games or movies out at a time, and you can do that an unlimited amount of times a month. 
Josh and I love to play our game systems, and I am really enjoying the Final Fantasy VII Remake right now. And if you're like me, games are too expensive to buy and beat in the same weekend. Well, with Gamefly, you can get it and keep a game as long as you need. Then you just send it back and get the next game on your list. So head on over to fearscapepodcast.com forward slash Gamefly today and give it a try. All right, so we're going to be talking about Diatlov Pass. Like I said, this is one of my uh, favorite things that I've been excited about. Uh, I even held off on watching a horror movie called The Devil's Pass that talks about it because, I, Josh, I prefer my research from you. <laughs> I prefer to hear things from you and then well, check I, what Hollywood has to say. I appreciate that. And, and let's be honest, Hollywood is probably going to get it wrong. Yeah, especially when it comes to the Russians. You know, Russia and Hollywood do not have the best, you know, relationship. Not right. like the uh, White House in Russia. <laughs> Just kidding. I'm not political on this show. No, let's try not to go there. Okay. Not political on this show. It's a super duper missile. Let's talk about <laughs> the Otlov Pass. So hit it up, Joshy. All right. So on the evening of 23rd January 1959, uh, a group of students, there were nine of them total, uh, boarded the sleeper train from Zvertbosk, just east of the Ural Mountains. And I'm just going to give a caveat. There are a lot of Russian and Slavic names in this. And oh, I'm yeah. Gonna... I think I think everyone will be understandable. And, in fact, if you want to say a last name with just the first letter, I don't think anybody <laughs> will be mad. <laughs> um, the party consisted of uh, eight men... And uh, two women. So what did I say? I said nine. There was ten total. Sorry, my apologies. Um, Igor, the leader. Classic Frankenstein name. Well, I'm going to be honest here. It's I-G-O-R. So that could either be Igor or Igor. Well, it depends if you're watching Frankenstein or if you're watching, um, oh, good God, what's the Mel, Mel Brooks one? Son of Frankenstein? Young Frankenstein. Young Frankenstein, yeah. Or yeah. if you're watching Young Frankenstein, because then it's well, like. And I, you threw me off when you said Mel Brooks. If you would have said Gene Wilder, I would have named it right away. But I don't know well, he's I, just an actor. Mel I Brooks know, is but, a director. I know, but anyways, they're wolf. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so Igor and or Igor, the leader, was a fifth-year radio engineering student and one of the most experienced athletes in the group. There was also Zenidia K., uh, who was 22 and from the same uh, faculty, Yuri D., who was 21, who was studying power economics, Alexander K., who was 24, studying nuclear physics, Yuri K., who was 23, doesn't say what uh, what what Yuri was studying, uh, 23, uh, let's see, Rus Rustam S., who was 23, and Nicholas T, who was 23, all engineering students. Yeah, and I mean, this is in the height of oh, know, yeah. the Cold War. I mean, this oh, is yeah. when the Red Scare was really hit yeah. hard, was right. in the 50s. So, and then you've got uh, Lyodomilia. Uh, I don't know, but my little brother's going to be mad. You know, he speaks Russian. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it there's just a lot of consonants. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> um, 20. And Yuri Yurden, I got that one. Yuri Yudin. Sorry. Yuri Yudin, who was 22. Uh, we're both studying economics. Uh, Simeon 
Z, who was a 38-year-old sports instructor who had fought in World War II, was the odd one out. Mm, yeah, so he was much older than everyone. So uh, Ludemia uh, was the youngest skier, had the reputation as a stern, somewhat humorless member of the Camosasoyal Young Communists. Um, but reading her diary, it sounds as if she was enjoying the adventure and beginning to lose her neat blonde plates. <laughs> right, because they were trying to go out to kind of like prove a point, right? Like right. that was part right. of this. Yeah. So here's a quote from her diary. In the train, staying... <laughs> I'll read it right. Yeah, and you know, you can do it that way. You just got to warn me. So do it again. Do it again. I'll slap, I'll slap some uh, sound good on it. I don't know if I can. <laughs> all right, here we go. In the train, we all sing songs accompanied by a mandolin. Then, out of the blue, this really drunk guy came over to our boys and accused them of stealing a bottle of vodka. He demanded it back and threatened to punch them in the teeth. But he couldn't prove anything, and eventually he got lost. We sang and sang, and no one even noticed how we slipped into discussion about love and kisses in particular. Is that better? <laughs> yeah, it, it, it was much better. I had to not laugh, especially when you said, punch them in the teeth. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, All right. You so, punch them in the teeth. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't want to come off sounding like Dracula. So I didn't right, which is what I just did. Yeah. <laughs> Blah, we're in Russia. <laughs> so um, Zenedia, uh, an outgoing, energetic, and one of the university's most popular students, wrote to her family from the city of Serov, a stop along the route. And this is what uh, she said. We are going camping. Ten of us. It's a great bunch of people. I have all the warm clothes I need, so don't worry about me. How are you? How is the cow? I love her milk. So I don't know why she has a <laughs> British accent. Um, they must be... <laughs> they must be Roman if they have British accents. It must accents. be... Um, <laughs> well, what's the movie? Um, with uh, uh, Jude... Sky Captain? No. Were they were they're like in Russia and they're part of the Russian army during World War II and they didn't bother like changing anybody's accents? Oh, I don't know. I don't watch that communist garbage. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that was my grandpa coming out of me. Um, no, wait, what, what I was laughing at was not your accent, but oh, how I miss her milk. <laughs> <laughs> so they uh, spent the night uh, there on 25th of January before getting a lift by truck uh, to a logging base called the 41st Settlement. The students enjoyed chatting to the lumberjacks around a warm stove and discussing their favorite films. Zena wrote another entry in her diary. It turns out that this is our last day of civilization and the last chance me and Luda had to sleep in beds. Tonight, we are going to be in a tent. Weighed down with their rucksacks as they followed the river valley and hunting tracks of the Mansai, the indigenous people who lived in this area. Right. Now, this is comes up a lot in the mystery, is yep. the, this people. 
So the group hired a horse-drawn sled to carry their supplies for the last 15 miles to the abandoned North 2 mining settlement. The going was tough, and the strain became too much for one member of the group. Yura Yudin is leaving us today, wrote Zanadia in her diary. Sorry, I should have known this. <clears throat> his oh, sciatic... so that's, that's probably why you thought it was nine. nine. Yeah. Yeah. So his sciatic nerves have flared up again, and he has decided to go home. Such a pity. We distributed his load in our backpacks. The economic student felt so unwell that he returned on the sled. He was sorry to leave his friends, but it was the decision that saved his life. So this is before he even got there, man. Like, yeah, yeah. That's what I was about to say. God, can you imagine the survivor's guilt he probably has oh, or had? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, after a year, Yura Yudin left the group. The students continued towards the goal to Mount Ortorten. The mountain's name means "Don't go there" in the language of the Mansai. Uh, Mansai are also reindeer herders, uh, in case anybody was curious. Yeah, it's very interesting. I mean, you know, you look at these people and, and, and compare them with cultural practices as well as kind of facial shapes, and you can see a lot of this in Native Americans. You can see that a lot Most, of these people and the Mongols are the ones that cross the Bering Strait. To yeah, get well, to Inuit, North America. The, the Inuit really look. Um, a lot of yeah, 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 very much so, and a lot of these same practices. I mean, you know, reindeer herders, even you know, (laughs) yeah, right. Very, very interesting. Better than nerf herders. Yeah. Oh God, they're so scruffy looking. Yeah. But in the 1950s, the Mansai weren't the only people living there. There was once a network of prison camps in the North Urals known as Idvidel Lag, where 30,000 inmates built roads, cut and protest timber, and labored in makeshift factories. The camp had a reputation as one of the most atrocious and violent in the entire Gulag system. Wow. Yet few tried to escape because of the remote location and the harsh climate. So Igor Dyatlov's group skied along the nearby Asupia River before the final ascent, and so this was kind of along the borderlines of that uh, prison settlement. Right, and so this whole incident and the past and everything was named for Dyatlov simply because I guess he was the leader of the exposi- expedition. Exposition, yeah. Exposition, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so uh, Zayane wrote in one of her last diary entries, All day long we followed the river. At night we'll camp on the Mansai Trail. I burned my mittens and Yura's jacket at the campfire. He cursed me a lot. So, yeah, don't burn your mittens. So, yeah. It's the, moral, it's the moral of this story. Don't yeah. burn your mittens. <clears throat> I mean, it just so, tells you. I mean, you're so desperate. You know, you're in nothing but snow-covered tundra. I mean, what are you going to burn? Exactly. Well, I don't think it was on purpose. I think uh, she erroneously burned them in his uh-oh. jacket at the campfire. That's why he cursed her. Okay, because she it was wasn't. Being, she was being a jerk. Yeah, I mean, she, you know, it's below zero, but no big deal. <laughs> <laughs> well, she probably, you know, you hold your hands too close to the fire. I don't. Yeah. Anyways, so now we move on to the discovery. So this is when they sent out the party to find what was happening. Right, because at this point, you know, your boy that went home. 
or girl or whoever it was is like, they should be back by now. Well, so it says here that Igor, who was leading the trip, had promised to send a message to the sports club as soon as his group was safely back at their base around the 12th of February, 1959. God, so they were planning on being gone for two weeks or so. Three. 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 Oh, God. It's too cold for one night. (laughs) Uh, At first, nobody was surprised they didn't return on time. Then uh, they had been delayed before because of bad weather. But by the 20th of February, their families became worried and raised the alarm. The university sent out a search party of student volunteers. Now, at the time of when I found a lot of this detail, there was um, a guy who was living whose name was Mikhail Sharavarhin, who was part of that search party. Okay. Um, He said they split into small groups and followed some ski tracks, which came to an end at the edge of a forest before climbing up the past pass excuse me and this is a quote from him we had gone about 500 meters when on the left i saw the tent part of the canvas was poking out but the rest was covered in snow i used an ice pick lying nearby to uncover the entrance Hmm. inside he and another rescuer found a blanket and some rucksacks lined up neatly and a pile of boots in one corner there was also a route map, official papers, money, and a flask of alcohol. Next to that, he spotted a plate full of salo, which is white pork fat, and it's a Slavic delicacy and the sort of high-calorie food that hikers take with them into the mountains. Interesting. So wasn't robbery. There was money, yeah. right? It wasn't cannibalism or anything like that because there was still food. Right. Well, it gets weirder than that. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't, you know, um, just woo. Yeah, yeah. It was then that he noticed the tent had been slashed open from the inside with a knife. Oh, man, from the inside? Yeah. That's like the opposite of Jason Voorhees. <laughs> says maybe they were in a desperate hurry to get out, but why? Just outside the tent, he saw frozen footprints made by eight or nine people who were wearing socks, a single boot, or were barefoot. The tracks continued for five to ten meters, and then they disappeared. Just, just gone. Just gone. God, that's so weird. So it's like, I mean, it's like you watch Blair Witch Project. I mean, she scooted out of that tent. So it's like, you know, when she got scared. So it's like, I, I get that part. I get that part. They're like, we got to go. And that's why they're socks. But like, just disappeared. It's like, and yeah, you could be like, oh, the snow covered it up. Well, why didn't it cover up the other tracks? Well, and it, it says that at the time when all this was going on, it was minus 20 Celsius outside, which is mm-hmm. minus four in Fahrenheit. Well, that's, I mean, that's it's pretty damn cold to go out with just socks and bare feet. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and, but I'm, what I'm getting as the disappear part. So, like, now yeah. this is making me feel like abduction, UFO abduction. Right. So the group skied down the hill to tell the others in the search party what they had found. And then they sat around the campfire for their evening meal. Shavarin produced the flask of vodka that he had found in the tent and proposed a toast to the health of the Dotlov group. Oh, Lord, that's kind of rude. Now, here's a quote from somebody else in the, in the, in the group. Or, sorry. This is a quote, quote from the guy who was in the party. We shared it out between us. There were 11 of us, including the guides. We were about to drink it when one guy turned to me and said, best not drink to their health but to their eternal peace. 
face. Ooh, so he was already like, they're dead. Yeah. Because, I mean, if they left their food behind and their shoes behind, I mean, at that point, they ain't got no feet. So, after they went back in camp, they went out up, back up the next day. You know, they'd already found the tent. And it says, <clears throat> we approached a cedar tree. When we were 20 meters away, we saw a brown spot. It was towards the right of the trunk. And then we got closer. We saw two corpses lying there. The hands and the feet were reddish brown. One of the two bodies was Yura D. Next to him was Yuri K., who played the mandolin and loved telling jokes. He had bitten off a piece of his own knuckle. Both men were stripped to their underwear. Closer to the tree, the search party saw the remains of a campfire and thought it looked as if somebody had climbed the tree to break off lower branches to use as kindling. Igor was found next. He was dressed, but shoeless, lying face down in the snow, hugging a birch branch. Zanayade K lay nearby, and from the position of her body, it seemed as if she had been desperately trying to scramble back uphill towards the tent. There was a long, bright red bruise on the right side of her torso, which looked as if it was made by a baton. Mm. Officially, it was stated that the skiers had died of hypothermia and frostbite but some of the other bodies had serious injuries that had nothing to do with them being too cold. Well, I mean, even then, why were they naked? Like, those ones, why were they naked? Right. You know, I mean, I've heard that, like, you know, the body heat is much better if you've got wet clothes, you know, but just the way that it was situated, that doesn't yeah. seem... So, like, I'm part... Like, so I have a theory, which I'll get to at the end, but, but part of my theory is, is that so those two guys that they found first, mm-hmm. they might have been the first to die. And then the others stripped their clothes off to burn, to have heat. Mm. So that's maybe something. I don't know. Could but be the brown spot. What's, what do you mean the brown spot? When they said they saw a brown spot before they saw the bodies. Oh, yeah. Well, maybe they, that's said they, what it, they said they found a campfire. Oh, Okay. So, and somebody looked like somebody had scrambled up to try to break off branches. And so the guy who's laying there hugging a, bir- a birch branch, he might have been crawling out on a branch to try to get more stuff for kindling. And the branch mm-hmm. broke and he fell and fell to his death. Right. And so, you know, there's, there's probably some, yeah. But anyways, I, I got a whole, I got a whole theory on this. So we'll get to that in a minute. So, um, Rustam Slabun a long-distance runner and one of the shyest in the group was found on the 5th of March. So again, they sent out the search party on the 20th of February. <laughs> right. Um, so on the 5th of March, he was found with a fractured skull. His body was better dressed than the others found so far. He wore a long sleeve undershirt and sweater, two pairs of trousers, four pairs of socks, and one felt boot on his right foot. His watch had stopped at 8.45 a.m. That's a classic... That's a classic UFO sighting incident thing is when clocks will stop. 
well, it's the whole like electromagnetic yeah stuff. So, and keep in mind that that the time that we're talking about here and where we're talking about, it's very possible that he also could have been wearing a a, a wind watch, like the kind that you have to wind. This is and true, so, but I feel like at this point that information would be made not if it was standard issue at the time like if that was just the standard but i mean you know russia's reopened it a couple years ago the the case looking into it it's like you feel like that would be something that they would say hey you know we've got the evidence here this is a wind-up watch this is why it stopped so it says that the mystery deepened when the remaining four bodies were found in a ravine in may nearly three months later once the snow had melted Nikolai T, the son of a French communist uh, repressed by Stalin, had a fractured skull. Alexander K, the nuclear physicist student who had worked at his secret institute in Moscow, had a wound behind his ear and an oddly twisted neck. Uh, Lidmia D, the ardent young communist, and Simeon Z, the oldest member of the group, had suffered multiple broken ribs. He had an open wound in his right side of his skull, which exposed the bone. Now, here's here's the, I, I'm. There was another gruesome detail. Both had empty eye sockets, and Ledimia's tongue was missing. <laughs> okay, I mean, this is getting real Lovecraftian. Like it's getting <laughs> it's getting like crazy, like uh, like uh, Event Horizon crazy. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um. So here's another quote from the people who helped find everything. So what went on up there is hard to say. The families were told, you will never know the truth. So stop asking questions. (laughs) Classic move from the KGB. (laughs) Um, Since the students' bodies were found with strange injuries, people could not accept that they had simply perished from hypothermia and immediately questioned what or who was responsible. At the time of the deaths, accusing fingers were initially pointed at the only other people living in the region, the Mansai, one of the 45 indigenous peoples living in Russia. The Mansai had survived over the centuries by hunting, fishing, and reindeer herding. Uh, one of the uh, tribesmen for the Mansai, a man named Valerie, said, Soviet investigators were convinced we Mansai must have killed them. So many people around here were arrested and a woman from another village who is no longer with us used to say that the secret police tortured them. I don't know if that's true, but they were certainly interrogated for weeks. Eventually, the Soviet authorities were unable to find any incriminating evidence and flew their helicopters to the Mansai villages to ask it once again for help. And this, Valerie says, thanks to our guys, the remaining four skiers were found in May. That's pretty audacious to to basically torture people to give you information and then say, hey, by the way, can you help us find the other people who are missing? Right. <laughs> um, oh, God, there's a picture of, uh, so you know there's tons of pictures, but there's a picture of the two guys with nothing in their eyeballs. Oh! Well, and I mean, you know, uh, animals, when they eat stuff like that, they go for the soft stuff. Well, why is, wasn't everybody else's eyeballs gone? Well, that's true. And why was girl's tongue gone? Tongue gone, yeah. 
Um, so it just says here, the suspicions will linger about the Mansai's possible involvement. One book published in 2015 suggests that some Mansai hunters were high on magic mushrooms <laughs> and that they went berserk when they found that the students had veered onto sacred Mansai land. Wow. But Valerie dismisses such theories. He basically says, if any of our people had been involved in that crime, they would have thrown us all into prison because it was a cruel time. For in sure. those days, people were executed by firing squad without investigation or trial. Especially non-white people in Russia or America, let's right. be honest, especially during Stalin's time. It's yeah. like the, the native peoples were not treated well, and that man, if they had even really seriously suspected them, they'd have wiped out that entire culture. Yep. So he says that he believes there's a technological explanation. Uh, one evening in February 1959, his mother was out collecting firewood when she noticed something strange in the sky. This is a quote from her. We were coming back from the forest and we could see the village ahead of us. This bright burning object appeared. It was wider at the front and narrower at the back with a tail, and there were sparks flying off of it. Right, so this is the fireball theory. Right. Right. And who and so, was this that's, that, that said this? this so this is the, the Valerie guy who's the tribal leader of the Mansai. This is her, his mother. Oh, so his this. mother saw the fireballs. Yeah. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. I didn't know if it was in like a lost diary or something. Sorry. No, no. So some believe the students were victims of a military experiment that they had died on the spot. Later, I mean, the corpses... Pretty likely at that time. Yeah. Later, the corpses were flown back to the mountain and by helicopter and rearranged to make it look like they had frozen to death. And it just says the Soviet military were capable of inhuman acts, but they really, would they really take the trouble to collect corpses only to later dump them onto a mountainside? No. So... Um, Something else suspicious, in the autopsy reports, it says that fragments of the internal organs of the first five bodies were sent for chemical analysis. Um, a, a document was unearthed stating that organs had been successfully delivered and were stored in a fridge. But as soon as the results were known, some people came to the library and took the samples away along with all the paperwork. Yeah, sounds like um, like what they did in Unidentified when they were talking about the incident in 2014. Yeah, four. I don't remember which. Where the guy said that a black helicopter landed on the the uh, aircraft carrier, came in and demanded all of the recordings. Right, and that was it. Yeah, and um, <laughs> so, so one person speculated that maybe they were affected by poisonous rocket fuel. Uh, there have also been conjectures about shock waves from low flying jet or a strange tornado like wind, uh, which terrified the students and forced them to run semi clad into the snow. Um, others believe that the violent injuries they suffered were caused by a Russian Yeti. Now, that um, is the one that I've heard the most is that it was a Yeti. And the major evidence for this is a blurry photo taken by one of the students of what appears to be a supernaturally tall figure behind a tree. And Stefan, I sent you that photo. Yeah. And I'm looking at it right now. It's creepy, man. Like, it's, I mean, it, it doesn't, I, at I, first I, it, I was, it's just crazy. It, it's, yeah. it's, it's clearer than most of the Bigfoot uh, footage that we have. And this came from dead people's cameras. Right. 
and it and it uh, it also like when I first looked at it, I thought, well, maybe it's a guy in like a parka being silly behind a tree, but like it's very uniform, if you know what I mean. Like it's you can't I, really tell where there's like a, a zipper or you know buttons or you know, where, where the head is no is not really like well, different and, from and the they body. found everything else. Where's this costume? Right. Right. Or are they trying to say that it's that tribe, you know, trying to uh, Wendigo them and scare them? Well, and you have to remember, too, the the big the the video of Bigfoot tromping through the forest is 78. Yeah. Which is, you know, 18 years after 19 years after when this took place. So was there even really a Bigfoot type, you know, media phenomenon until 78 when that video was produced right i mean there was always talk of yeti and sasquatch and things like that but yeah bigfoot definitely brought it to the main uh media i mean that would have been the only reason to produce a hoax is is post 78 right and especially i mean these guys are communists i mean it's like they that was not an acceptable thing to be doing like i mean you could lose your life in communist russia so it says that there are about 75 different um, theories as to why or you know what happened. One of them is is you know we we were we really didn't touch on we touched briefly on but it's alien abduction. Um, I have a theory, and so and it involves the Yeti, um, and it also involves a cave. So one of the things that uh, I found when I was looking into this is that um, when they built their tent or they when they set up their tent. They did so uh, over top of a, of a low depression in the ground so that they could have sh- additional shelter from the wind. And when they found their tent, that's how they found it, was kind of covered in snow, uh, but over this low depression in the ground. Now, <clears throat> uh, the cut coming out of the tent, um, here's, what I'm, here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking they're all sitting in the tent. They're cooking up some grub. They're taking their shoes off. They're letting their socks air out, so on and so forth. They're getting ready to kind of call it a night and go to bed, maybe plan out their day for tomorrow. Then all of a sudden, something comes up in the tent. Like something comes either out of the ground or something in the tent, or maybe it comes in through the main flap. It's the only way to go. You can't go back through the main flap if something comes into the main flap. The only way to go is out the side of the tent. So somebody grabs a knife slashes a hole in the tent um, and everybody runs out in whatever they were wearing at the time, which is without their boots. Well, the only other thing is that if all nine were in one single tent, I mean, you could have had some trying to go out the front and another dude's like, I ain't waiting for this shit and like slices it open and goes too. But, but my my main point there is, is that that's why they're not wearing any boots. Oh yeah. Yeah. For sure. They left in a hurry or in a hurry. Right. Yeah. For Um, sure. And so that's why one person's got one boot on because they were in the process of taking their boots off when it when it came in whenever whenever happened. And, I don't it's, think- and it's interesting. I'm looking at the picture here um, of the the busted tent, right? Uh, that the um, investigators found, and it's kind of small, yeah. you know, for nine of them to be shoved I mean, together. It's, it's basically a pup tent. Yeah, I mean, which is so, kind of crazy to me. Yeah. Well, but I mean, at the time, that's sure, sure. But still, I'm like, man, like I can see them going. I can't wait. I gotta go. Like, yeah, to be that scared, scared enough to cut the tent open, right? Like, tells you something happened more than just somebody shaking the tent. 
right? So and then, and then so we so we know that they you know, so they found the first two guys. They're missing their boots. No big deal because they're in the tent, right? So right. Um, but they're also stripped naked. But when they found one of the other guys in May, if you've noticed it, said he had an extra pair of trousers on, uh, an extra you know four extra pairs of socks. Mm-hmm. Um, I honestly think that that some stayed at the tent because somebody was injured and mm. four and four went for help. Interesting and theory. None of them made it. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty plausible. I mean, if you think about it, you know, and, 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 and let's say something was chasing them. I mean, it's like, if there's just one of them and they're chasing a smaller group, the other group knows that they can stay and help the injured. Right. But so whatever maybe goes down, catches up with the group that that broke off, knocks them, you know, takes care of them, comes back to the group that remained. And, it, and it's very possible that the group that remained just died of cold exposure. I mean, they, you know, they, the guy climbed up in the tree on the branch to try to get some wood. The branch breaks and he falls to his death. Mm. Um, the girl, you know, maybe she was on the ground or something underneath the branch falling. So she gets hit in the side and that's why it looks like she's got a mark for, for where a baton hit her because right. the I mean, branch hit a, her. She, I mean, that girl that her tongue was gone. I mean, she could have fell or jumped and bit her tongue off. I mean, off. That's, right. that's yes. a possibility. I mean, so, so I'm not, not necessarily saying that it's not paranormal, but there is some other things that could have happened that would explain a lot. Nothing. I don't think really, is a strong explanation as to what would make them leave the safety of a tent uh, barefoot in such ice cold. Right. And, and then, and then not go back to the safety of the tent once they were maybe clear that whatever the danger was had passed. Well, I mean, dude slashed it up. Well, true. But, but yeah, I mean, still going to be warmer than outside. Yeah. I mean, you could, you know, at least you would have provisions. You could put your boots back on and not have your feet, fr- you know, frostbite. So, right. Anyways, I you know I just I think that's probably there's probably is something odd about what was the triggering event, but then all the other things that happened may not have necessarily been quote unquote strange or paranormal necessarily. So yeah. Again, like I tell people all the time, it's just my two cents or four cents with inflation. Yeah. <laughs> It's just it's just so interesting to me because there is so much evidence in this case for them to have no earthly idea what happened. So, so much between clothes and bodies and diaries and pictures and just I mean so much stuff. So you mentioned earlier that uh they reopened the case since Yeah. So they reopened the case. The one guy who uh you know early on bowed out because he wasn't feeling it went back home they exhumed his body and they were working on getting some of the other bodies exhumed as well and they were supposed to have the results of the case in september of this year so it'll be interesting to see if there's anything more that comes out of this in september of this year i know i'll be looking man i know i'll be looking and it's interesting because they reopened the case in uh 2017 i think yep um, and earlier that year, there was a Bigfoot sighting around the same area. Like, and I'm wondering if that's one of the reasons they decided to open it back up. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I mean it, it, it's just, it's, 
it's like the the picture you know when we when we when we post this out to folks we need to make sure we we include that picture but i mean oh the yeah picture is just it's just crazy how how it looks i mean it just it's like you can see like the tracks going in between the trees where their skis had gone and then there's like this thing that's like cautiously looking at them i mean it's just it's just weird it's just really weird looking so yeah it's definitely an odd picture for sure you know, and there's some other theories too. I don't know if you were going to talk about them or not, but there's one theory that alleges that the group um, were on a mission to meet U.S. agents, um, and that they were possibly discovered by the KGB um, and taken out ceremoniously, yeah. for example, or that the U.S. had done so. That was also a theory that the U.S. Um, had spies within the group or um, tricked them into coming and then murdered them, you know, that propaganda. Yeah. Which that would have been, it, you know, if it were that way, that would have been to deter anybody else from working with the U.S. Right. right. And it's also keeping people from that area. That's, yeah. that's the other thing it did. People were scared to death to even go in that area. And so if there was some sort of Area 51, Russian style, Right. Right. That would keep them away. And, you know, there's a lot of theories with Area 51 and places like that, that more than just military weapons, but there is very Dr. Moreau-ish type, um, yeah. you know, hybrid. Super uh, soldiers. And super all soldier. What's the word I'm looking for? Where you merge people and, and animals together. Uh, I can't think of it. But yeah. Um, that Tyson. Well, yeah, but there's a ancient term for it. I just can't think of what it is. Um, uh, but yeah, so you know that. What if that was happening? You know, like yeah. who knows what they stumbled upon, what they saw. You know, and it's interesting that I'm looking at a lot of these pictures, which is just frightening because not only the pictures from the actual trip itself, but the pictures from the investigators, which are, fr I mean, they show the body of every single person when they found them. I mean, it's frightening. And then one of the girls after she was pulled and laying on a bench, like is still in the position that she died because her body is so frozen. Um, it's scary, but most of them they found underneath the snow, you know, which is just crazy, man. Like, it's just, kudos well, to those guys i mean like so much snow like that it, it makes your eyes do crazy things so for them to be able to find these people God, i mean how many how many people have we lost well, in the mountains in that washington that and we still can't find their bodies right well one of the things that i found um when i was looking through everything is you're talking about people weren't really allowed to go into the area after this all happened the Mansai weren't allowed to um, to do any like hunting or any of that kind of stuff in this area for four years. And it's also it's weird that it's such a such a such a precise you know, four years. I mean, it's just why not five? Why not three? Why not ten? You know, it's just yeah, yeah. A lot of skeptics will say that brown bears are from that area, and therefore it must have been a brown bear. But it was February; they don't come out. You know, they're hibernating at that time. Um, right. But something else that I found uh, very interesting is they talk about that the skiers were known to be intrigued by yetis or abominable snowmen. And in fact, one of the diary entries from the group states, lately, it says this, it says, 
Lately, there has been a lively discussion about existence of Yeti in scientific circles. According to latest data, Yeti live in the North Urals near Otorton Mountain. So they were apparently talking about it. Like, you know, either beforehand or after they were, you know, like that they were interested in that. So, I mean, there's yep. that, you know, that skeptics are going, well, see, they already, they planned it. Yeah, they planned their deaths. Cool. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. Some Charles Manson stuff, I guess. But, you know, but yeah, I mean, it's it's just very, um, I don't know. There, there's a lot of different theories and, and a lot, and I wouldn't say a lot, but, but quite a few of them are plausible. But, I mean, and it also is, is uh, very fortuitous, I think, uh, that this actually has a Yeti a component because you and I have been talking a lot about uh, Yeti and Sasquatch lately. So it's just, again, it's just odd that this happens to be. Right. And we've even got some interesting guests coming up in the next few weeks discussing some Sasquatch stuff. So um, very unintentionally synchronistic. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, we've got an unhinged episode with, with Sa. I mean, there's just, it's, Maybe it's summertime and it's just like making you feel like, oh, or it's because we're in quarantine and nobody's had a haircut. I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know, but man, summertime, this, this summertime, summertime, summertime. right? Yeah, <laughs> I just know one thing is like, I mean, there. This is the conspiracy theory that never quits. Like, this is the mystery that never quits. It's yeah. like this. I mean, there are website after story after documentary on this, and they are just dumbfounded you know between aliens and freak storms and and yeti and native well not a native americans but native asian russian peoples yeah you know it's like there's so many things like it's just crazy because in these instances if you think about the donner pass right is cannibalism and that was not here you know they still had food they still they would not have frozen to death like that had something not happened right because they could have kept together and warm they still had food they still had things to burn like that this is why it's such a mystery it's not like they were at the end of their rope they ran out of food they got lost they couldn't find their way back yada 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 no something crazy happened to them in a tent that they felt afraid to go back to like that's that's what's happening here like that's what's going on and that's what makes this story so intriguing as well as that strange picture uh, just yeah. everything about this is strange and then you add in the uh the native story of the fireballs and then just the idea that communist russia at the time was experimenting with things just like we were right they had nuclear testing that was going on and hidden all kinds of stuff. I mean, and then even then you think about the Tunguska incident that happened in Russia, probably not far from there. Siberia is, you know, north of there. Something similar could have happened. Who knows? Who knows? I don't know. It'll be interesting. I hope something comes out of that testing in September. Yeah. If nobody in a, in a black helicopter swoops in and, and right. whisks it right. You know. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know, but man, I'm going to be keeping an ear close to this story. And I love that after 60 years, it's still 
active. Like it's still something that intrigues people. It kind of falls into that Roswell incident, you know, like it, it, that level of curiosity that still exists. And, and in another country, which, you know, you know, most people are very nationalist in their kind of news and mysteries, <laughs> you know, they kind of yep. don't tend to look outside of their own country, but this is one that definitely crosses borders. It's been very, very interesting. And I'll just add, because you know I'm building a building a case here, there are caves in the mountains of where Dotlock passes. So. Well, yeah, I mean, pretty much anytime there's a a, no. a mountain, there's going right. to be caves. You but know, I'm just the but mines just saying, of Moria, man. Like, you know, but, but you know, the, the whole the whole you know it comes from the caves, right? The ultra ter- terrestrial theories. For sure, who knows what's in those caves, man? Uh, whether ultra terrestrials or military, something or other, you know, who knows? Yep, I don't know. But uh, yeah, so we got anything else on that, or is that kind of wrap it up, Josh? That's kind of wrapping it up. Yeah, like I said, we could find a million other theories from uh, oh, yeah. theorists and things like that. Um, but just this whole story is frightening. And uh, at the end of the day, these were nine human beings that were scared out of their minds and froze to death, uh, if not died horribly from something else. So. Yeah, and, and I and I get. I mean, I'm so I have two two main fears uh, for for dying. You know, one is to to drown or suffocate. Same, uh, and then the other one is to freeze to death. That's funny because mine is to burn to death. Like it's the opposite. <laughs> well, just I, I've heard though when you freeze to death, you just basically go to sleep and you don't wake up. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like I ain't going. They ain't no sleeping when your skin's on fire. Yeah. Like I don't know, but yeah, scary, scary stuff, man. Whew. All right. Well, let's uh, let's get moving and uh, let's get into our uh, listener story of the week. Um, while we wrap this, I'm just still, man, that's a heavy topic, man. (laughs) Um, well, this story, uh, comes from, uh, I believe we may have had a a story from her before. I'm not a hundred percent. And if you're hearing this and this is your second story, I'm sorry. Uh, but this is from Heather Keel Johnson from haunted history of Kentucky. Um, and this week we have a good friend of ours, Victoria Wagner, who is uh, going to be portraying, uh, Heather Keel Johnson on this one. Uh, so let's go ahead and take a listen to this. My name is Heather Keel Johnson, and my new home is 105 years old. The day we looked at it, I had a very peaceful feeling come over me, even in the cobweb-filled basement. Well, until I came to the rear stairs. I see figures when I walk past rooms, and they're either at the top of the stairs or the bottom. I have heard voices too, but... Nothing scary, just (laughs) unnerving. After we moved in, our dog refused to use the rear stairs and still will not use them to this day. Three months after we moved in, I fell down those stairs twice in one month. Since then, my husband and our two children have also fallen down them. We didn't, like, feel a push or anything. No, uh, it was... It was like the step just disappeared. (laughs) Needless to say, I avoid them. (laughs) Crazy. (laughs) 
Yeah, I mean, sometimes you just, you know, you feel something ahead of time. Yeah. And then if you catch your dog doing or cat doing the same thing, you're like, it's almost like validation, right? right. Yeah. And I mean, I've, something I've said for a long time, like you want to know if your house is haunted, you know, get an animal. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. I mean, even birds know, man. It's just, oh, yeah. it's just so. crazy. And then, you know, I've, I've, I know that feeling as, as, as I have, man, I, one of my biggest fears is, is falling, especially downstairs because I have many times throughout my life and it has been from feeling something push me. It has been from feeling as if a step disappeared. It's like, I have had that happen to me multiple yeah. times and I, I totally understand that Heather and I, God, that's horrible. Yeah. That, I, yeah. I don't, um, uh... I can't imagine falling down the stairs a couple, you know, once, let alone a couple times. So. Well, and then, you know, having to be afraid that your children, you know, and yeah. they, she said they okay. fell down the stairs too, and her husband. Right. So, yeah, I, crazy I probably, indeed. I'd probably like replace the stairs. <laughs> right. Yeah. That would be my first thought too. I mean, like, oh, it's 105 years old. Maybe there, there's a, a trick yeah. stair. You know, you always see that. Oh, watch out for that first step. It's a doozy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Bugs Bunny cartoons. Right. You know, but I mean, sometimes you just know. Sometimes you, and like I said, man, a dog, dog knows. And, and yeah. I'm willing to bet, especially because I think this is our second story, that other things have happened. So it's like, I bet you there's more than that. So. But thank you so much, Heather, for uh, sending in your story to us. You all can send in your stories to us. Uh, anything that you've had, just like listen to our creepy catch-up, even like a small piece of something like getting tapped on the shoulder. Let us know about those stories. Uh, anything paranormal, UFO related. Have you seen something strange in the sky that you didn't know what it was? Let us know. Uh, maybe a Yeti sighting, a Sasquatch sighting, any of those things. Email us those stories. Even a local legend. Like if there's a legend in your town that you don't think that we know about, an urban legend, let us know. We want to yeah. know. Uh, and send those to fearscapepodcast at gmail.com. And uh, while you're out and about, make sure you're checking out our social media and you can find all that on www.fearscapepodcast.com. And there you'll have access to our Instagram, our Facebook, our Twitter, and uh, Fearscape Media, which is our YouTube channel. So check all those out at fearscapepodcast.com. And uh, there's some other things on there as well, Josh. Isn't that correct? Yeah, you can uh, check out our store. Uh, we've got some really awesome t-shirts. And most of our designs that we have for t-shirts, you can get on all kinds of other things like mugs and bottles. and. Tote yeah, we've even sold some stickers. Like some people have bought some stickers of, of the stuff that we've made. Yeah, so you want to, you know, put a sticker on your car. <laughs> you know, <I> <laughs> or on your laptop, you know, right. or your tablet like I got. Yeah, we also got uh, on the website, you can get to uh, our Patreon page. And so uh, there, you know, if you if you like the content we bring to you uh, and you want to you want to support us monthly, uh, you know, check that out. Uh, it, it's it's uh, I think the lowest tier is like maybe around, maybe around five dollars or so. And then at the higher tiers, you get, you know, really good access to an exclusive Facebook page as well as a free T-shirt. That's right. All sorts of great stuff. And, uh, you know, make sure to check out Gamefly as well while you're out there and then anything else that we always talk about. Um, but other than that, we want to get out of here. But Josh, it's, all, it's a pleasure. It's always a pleasure. Yeah, it's one of my one of my favorite times of the week is doing this show. Me too, as well. Not just you, but everybody that tunes in and sends us great, yep. you know, messages and responses to everything. We love you guys so much. You are indeed the best blanket huggers on the planet. But we got to get out of here because it's late. Um, but so until next time, guys, we got to get out of here. My name is Stefan, and I will catch you on the flip side. 
This has been Josh. The truth is out there. And remember, folks, hold those blankets extra tight because things tend to get spooky when you listen to Fearscape. Good night, everybody. Good night. I'm so glad you were able to join us for that horrifying discussion. I hope they didn't frighten you too much. (laughs) Tune in next week for even more research into the nightmarish and haunting creeps and spooks that we tell ourselves don't exist, but we know they do. Make sure you have your blankets that you hold them extra tight. Next time on Fearscape. Ha 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 ha!